This is the Emergency Medical Minute, sponsored by Mile High Ambulance. The Emergency Medical Minute is excited to announce that we are now offering AMA, PRA, Category 1 credits via online course modules. To access these and for more information, visit our website at www.emergencymedicalminute.com backslash CME courses, or simply click on the link in our show notes and create an account. Welcome back to the most recent edition of the Mountain Medical Minute. We're coming to you from St. Vincent Hospital in Leadville, Colorado. We've got a number of staff here with us today. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being here. All right. So per uh, back by popular demand, the Mountain Medical Minute today wants to talk about humerus fractures in light of sounds like some recent cases. So classically, this is an osteoporotic fall from a ground level uh, or from standing um, elderly folks. Women are 70 percent of humerus fractures or these proximal ones. And it's important to think about the humerus really as a proximal humerus fracture, a mid shaft humerus fracture or a distal humerus fracture, which is really like an elbow fracture. Right. So each of those comes with different injury patterns and different management and different uh, neurovascular complications. So we'll start proximally with the proximal humerus, which is what we see most commonly. Uh, it's actually the most common injury, second most behind distal radius and ulna fractures in elderly patients. They typically have a proximal deformity of the shoulder. And if you guys want to come a little closer, we can show you some anatomy of the proximal humerus. We'll describe it and folks listening on the podcast can see it too. But there's a couple major landmarks of the humerus proximally, the greater tuberosity, the lesser tuberosity, the head of the humerus, and the humeral shaft. That's just important to know from an anatomic perspective, but it also is helpful to know which parts are angulated. The vast majority of proximal humerus fractures are managed um, non-operatively. And does anybody know what the major neurovascular complication of a proximal humerus fracture would be? All right, so we're always going to test distally. We're going to test sensation and proprioception distally. We're always going to check for uh, vascular supply distally by checking radial and ulnar arteries. And then distally, you always are checking median, radial, and ulnar nerves. Um, so we'll include a graphic in the show notes. But, you know, you're checking your radial nerve this way, um, your ulnar nerve this way, and your median nerve this way primarily. Also a thumbs up. In addition to that, when you break the proximal part of your humerus, you have to check for axillary nerve injury. Does anybody know what the axillary nerve supplies? Typically, lateral sensation of the shoulder is where you can sense the axillary nerve. Then they can have axillary artery injury as well because those run right approximately under the humerus. So those are managed, like I said, mostly non-operatively with the sling, pain control, and then moving down the humerus into the mid shaft of the humerus. So those can be managed more frequently with surgery. Although again, the mid shaft humerus fractures actually are managed non-operatively at least at first. So the nerve that you worry about that's injured in a mid shaft humerus fracture is the radial nerve. And does anybody know what happens if you have a radial nerve injury? So you get wrist drop. So the patient comes in with wrist drop and decreased sensation to the dorsum of the hand, the rear of the hand, radius, rear of hand. Um, and so that's the primary complication from a mid-shaft humerus fracture. These do get reduced. They do get splinted in place um, as opposed to proximal humerus fractures. There's not really a good way to splint proximal humerus, uh, but mid-shaft, you have enough you know, intact bone 
proximally to splint it in place so you can reduce them in splint. But certainly uh, going back to proximal humerus, you're not reducing any of those. So there's a significant incidence of neurovascular injury from any attempts at reduction of the proximal humerus. So you just don't want to pull on that at all. The mid shaft of the humerus you can reduce and splint and they oftentimes will trial a period of non-operative management for those, although sometimes they do require uh, operative repair, particularly if they're grossly angulated. The same rule of thumbs for these fractures are true for most of our fractures, which are open fractures get uh, admitted and washed out and they, they have emergent operative repair, but they're closed and uncomplicated without neurovascular deficit. You can reduce these and, and put them in a splint. And then finally, the distal humerus fracture, you know, an elbow fracture. There's a number of different ones. There's the supracondylar in kids. There's obviously there's proximal radius and ulna involvement in a lot of these. Um, but one kind of atypical distal humerus fracture is the Holstein-Lewis fracture, which is a spiral fracture of the distal third of the humerus as it comes into the elbow. So if you want to come close, there's a good schematic here from Life in the Fast Lane. Mike Cadigan did this. So it shows how the radial nerve runs here. You see how it runs along the distal part of the distal humerus and so a spiral fracture there can disrupt the radial nerve so again you can get a radial nerve palsy um, with those with those folks Um, so that's kind of a specific fracture pattern that uh, needs repair Uh, so anyways yeah you manage humerus fractures differently depending on proximal mid shaft or distal humerus Uh, and then there's kind of some specific testing for neurovascularity distally depending on where the fracture pattern is so and then some different management strategies different uh, splints depending on where the fracture is any questions? Yeah, I was just wondering if you have any specific considerations for splinting these types of fractures. Not any different than our usual ones. I mean, you have to assess the degree of angulation, pre and post reduction, neurovascularity before and after splinting. You know, uh, these depending on the patient, can develop compartment syndrome of the upper arm. You know, so you have to talk about those precautions with the patient, particularly anticoagulated ones or ones with crush injury or ones with significant injury. You know, rapidly expanding hematoma that makes you think arterial injury in the upper arm is an emergency because of the risk of compartment syndrome. Um, So you have to kind of assess how significant the hematoma is when you first see it and then on serial assessments make sure it's not expanding rapidly um, but other than that you know the same splinting rules apply okay so is there any like specific like extended arm that would like where you would expect yeah would good good question good question so typically your mechanism for proximal humerus injuries is a foosh is a fall on an outstretched hand but then the elbow is also typically fully extended as opposed to people who can just fall with a bent elbow and you get a distal radius but if you extend your arm that force is then transmitted all the way up through the radius and ulna through the elbow and up to the proximal humerus and so it's kind of elbow extension and outstretched and that's also extension at the wrist that's the classic mechanism for proximal humerus you also can have a direct blow mechanism particularly folks who are osteoporotic you know if they have a direct blow although direct blow mechanisms depending on where the blow is in the humerus can cause angulated mid-shaft humerus fractures so mm-hmm. cool so that's mountain medical minute thanks for listening the Emergency Medical Minute would like to thank our sponsor, Swedish Medical Center, for helping fund our nonprofit organization and make this podcast possible. Donations are essential to our organization to cover operational costs and fund the creation of our online courses offering AMA PRA Category 1 credits. So if you enjoy our show, and if you're able to make a one-time or recurring donation towards our organization, any amount is helpful. Please click the link in our show notes to make a donation 
Thank you for listening.